day of hard work. I am glad the day is over and I am heading out straight home. What a beautiful day out here riding my motorcycle and I'm sure it's going to get much better when I get home and listen to CNT Radio. Oh my my, so many great programs to pick and choose. There is the Melting Pot every Saturday, every alternate Friday evening, she has the Cosmopolitan Culture Club, and on every alternate Friday, she has the Song Bank. And now she has the Classical Cafe every Saturday afternoon. Perfect way to wind down. Best of the best music from around the world. Why not check out her website at http colon slash slash cnt.wordpress.com slash cnt hyphen radio. I feel like I'm the luckiest person to have such a great source of entertainment. I can see my home approaching very soon. Hope you all tune in and enjoy the great shows. CNT Radio, making your day brighter, one song at a time. Welcome to All Over the Map, where we cover our favorite sports teams, sports media, and the world of broadcasting, with your host, Ali Musa. On the day of this recording, it is Tuesday, July 11th, 2023. This is the fourth Tuesday in a row we've done the all over the map. My name is Ali Musa. It's a pleasure to be on board. Joining me is Matthew Cobbs. Matthew is the uh, host of TSN 1050's Gameplay as well as, I believe, the Mako and Cause podcast. Matthew, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. No worries at all. Yeah, the well, the Mako and Cause podcast is on a brief hiatus because uh, my partner, Bob, is doing this uh, like almost year-long trip 
uh, with his wife and uh, child. They're in Germany and California. I also do a wine podcast, the Matt Talks Wine and Stuff with Interesting People podcast, because heaven forbid I go too long without uh, without talking. Oh, yes. The, I, I, you know, I, I, I think that's it. I think because I, I think you and I have found the right thing because we like to talk. So I think we yeah. found the right sort of, you know. Yeah, exactly. Just uh, all I can do is yammer. That's about it. Oh, that, that's allowed on this show, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Can we let's I want to let's start by telling us a little bit about your tell us uh, not a little tell us about your uh, upbringing please. Um yeah well I uh, I grew up um, I'm 48 so I grew up in uh, Etobicoke which is you know the sort of town next to Toronto but now it's considered just part of Toronto so uh, I I grew up there in my high school days and before that and like you know just kind of a, just a very normal childhood I had a good set of friends. I have a twin brother, get along really well with my folks. Uh, no, so not a lot of, uh, not a lot of drama. Um, I went to university for theater and history. My uh, dad is a uh, retired now, but was a baseball and horse racing writer and is in the horse racing hall of fame. So that's where I got my love of sports. And um, when I was at university, I started doing, I started doing local radio and writing for the newspaper that eventually got me into TSN and Sportsnet and the score when those all started back in the late nineties, uh, went from there to off the record, worked briefly for a, uh, also when it was, uh, did TV for a smaller TV station called sun TV, did a couple shows there with Gareth Wheeler worked in wine. And then when TSN radio opened in uh, like 11 or so years ago, I joined them and I've been with them since. Now, I believe you've been off and on with them. I remember a few years ago um, when they had made um, when they had made some changes and then yeah. I think you were brought back, I believe. Yeah, when um, back, I think it was like 2016 when Bell, as, as you know, anyone who's in the who monitors the media world every now and then bell and rogers do they do these cuts across canada and so the first time that happened um yeah. my show uh, which i was doing with gareth wheeler it was it was uh it was cut from from the network and um i was briefly unemployed but um thankfully the powers that be at tsn radio you know they got me on uh, at news talk 1010 and then when opportunities came back i was you know, I was back at the station. We always like to joke that I'm the one who gets fired the most, but yet I'm the one that's always around the most as well. Yeah, and there were also re back uh, back on June fifteenth, there were um, there were some uh, cuts as well yep. there at uh, Bell Media. What are your thoughts on it? And we'll also even get start there, and then move into um, your thoughts on sports radio in toronto today yeah well my first thought is 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 it stinks you know you lose quality people like mike DeStefano. that guy worked so hard to get in the business and there was a period where he would be driving in every day from niagara falls to the studio in in toronto i mean when you spend that much time on the qew that for people who don't live in the area is one of the major highways it's a horrible highway traffic always stinks and so for him to do that all the time and then to be let go, um, you know, it, it hit all of us. And 
I, I feel bad for the Toronto sports fan because you now have a four hour hole where there isn't local. And that's nothing against like Colin Coward or Dan Patrick. Those are great shows. Those are some of the most talented people in the business. But if William Nylander signs a nine-year deal, you know, or an eight-year eight year deal, excuse me, that's the max, you want to hear from the local perspective versus if it's more of a national American show, they're probably going to be focusing more on the Dallas Cowboys or Nick Saban. Um, I mean, I understand it's business. It happens. It happens in all businesses where there are cuts. Um, but when it comes to a show that was on right right uh, before me, um, you know, I, I go into the studio and I would see them. And it was always nice. It was always nice to chat with them before the show. So I, I miss them. I, um, I miss both of them, with Julia as well. So uh, on that end, on the personal level, it stinks. And it, it stinks as well because um, I just feel bad for the Toronto sports fan that um, that th- there's one less option for them. Yeah, and I think, like, see, what I feel, and um, I, I have thoughts on this as well. If you'd like, I'll share them right here. Absolutely. You, you interview, uh, you know, I've seen your pod. You interview a lot of people in the sports media business. You know, obviously, it's something you're interested in. and It must have been a bummer for you as well. You know, it was. See, because for me, like, see, what I kind of feel, and, and as, as if you, and, and you probably do remember, uh, as you were looking through that, um, um, whether it was through the feed or through the updates that um, I did have uh, Dave McCarthy on a few yeah. weeks ago. Yes. And one of the things that he had said that stood out to me was that, and of course, and I also had Michelle Dyer on after him, who sort of said the same similar type of thing where the invest, where the, the investment see and isn't being like the investment isn't being made in say that content yeah it's cheaper to go syndicated but or national or whatever you want to call it but it's one of those things where the the quality kind of um you know the quality kind of loses out it's the same thing when kyle do it's the same thing when um, when the Leafs um, parted ways with Kyle Dubas, right? You, you know, you were looking for content on that where you got it from, say, Locked On Leafs or something. Yeah. And, you know, like getting on that, just that theme of investing in in the business, who I feel the worst for are young people who want to get into broadcasting. Like Dave McCarthy, you know, he was doing updates and he he would make his presence known on different shows on tsn but and we see this again across the business when you lose the update slots when you lose and you don't do original programming at night or on the weekends well that's where a lot of young people start they're not going to start on overdrive with Hayes. they're going to start doing a show on thursday night at 8 p.m or saturday at 3 p.m and that, that's where you learn your reps. That's how you get better in the business. That's where you learn your contacts from. And, and that's how you grow. I mean, people like George Strombopoulos, uh, uh, Jeff Merrick, Bob Makowitz, those guys all started doing, you know, late night shows. And, and then they grew as people and as broadcasters. So that, that's who I kind of feel, I feel the worst for, you know, because I'm around a lot of guys that are like 20 years younger than me and they're really 
talented and they got great work ethic and a great passion for it. And I'm 34, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm the oldest one on this conversation, but yeah, I, I feel bad for them because now it's about finding where are the avenues, where are the places to find employment? Well, and, and I think that's a big thing too, right? Like, I think that that is a big thing. Like those evening and overnight slots um, don't exist anymore. No. And it's, um, it's, it, to me, it's a shame. It's, but again, like I'm old school radio guy. I, you know, I was the one as a teenager, I would listen to talk radio, local talk radio, or even I would find talk radio stations all across the States. And I was always fascinated by it. I mean, like I've been a radio junkie um, since I was a teenager and it wasn't just music. It was, I liked hearing talk radio. I liked hearing different opinions. And so, um, you know, maybe I feel it more than others. And I love podcasts and, you know, and, and and I think podcasts are incredibly important. I think it's something we all should invest more in, but there is something nice about just you flicking on the radio and it's a random conversation and you just get sucked into it. Well, see, yeah, and that's it, right? Like, see, and that's the thing. And I think what what is beginning to or what is kind of, you know, I'll be honest, I used to listen to a lot more, like even going back uh, to, say, um, you know, the the even even up until 2012, 2013, I used to, in 2014, I used to listen to a lot more radio back then, a lot more talk radio back then. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I thought it was a little bit more interesting and whatnot back then. Now it just doesn't. I don't. I don't find myself listening to as much. I listen for the news a little bit while I'm doing my sit-ups in the morning after the after I take my after I take my little walk on the treadmill. But other than that, I don't turn the radio on. Well, and plus I listen via tune in. But what's changed for you? I think it's the qual. I I feel what has changed is the is that the quality it's not as it's not as it's not nearly as engaging i don't think i find that there's more engagement if you listen to say a sports podcast now sometimes what i find myself doing like for example um this morning um uh, on uh, uh, on first up, you guys had uh, Buster only on to talk yeah. about um, uh, the Vladdy uh, um, w- winning the der- the home run derby last night, right? So that's something that catches my attention. So I'm going to take a listen to that. You know what I mean? Like it, it seems that I, I think it seems that I'm just kind of going back to see what sort of captures the attention, right? Oh, God, yeah. I mean, well, that's the thing that I like about radio. And it's funny, whenever anyone who doesn't like me, they'll go, oh, I'm just going to turn on the Fan 590. And I'm always like, great. They got talented people there. I'm friends with a lot of them. And for me, all I really want is there to be options out there. And if it's an interview alley that you're into, it's great. Flick it on. If it's like, no, I'm not. um, I don't really care what this. I don't really care, but say the Raptors. So I'm not going to listen to this. I'll flick to another station. Or I'll put on a podcast for 30 minutes and then maybe I'll dip back in later. In the end, I just I want I want sports, the sports media landscape in Toronto and Ontario and Canada to be like the Mandarin. Just give me a big buffet of a lot of different options. And at the end of the day, I want to be full and satiated. Where 
do you feel the where do you feel that sports radio in Toronto now in your mind is headed? I'm not sure. Like I the the old school romantic in me says it'll always have a place. But then you wonder when you hear about, oh, eventually cars won't have radios in them anymore. And then then that makes you know that makes me wonder. Does everything eventually shift over to where everything is, you know, podcast based, where it's more a la carte and digital? And, you know, maybe you're you're still going into a studio or you're, you know, you still have a producer and host and you're and you're recording a show, but maybe, you know, it's it's not going live. Like sometimes I try to think what it's going to be like in 20 years and 20 years doesn't feel that long ago. But if I think about where the market was in 2003 versus now, it's like, oh, wow, things are way different. So then I have to think that 20 years from today will be way different as well. And, you know, maybe part of it is I'm not the most technologically advanced human being. So I think sometimes my brain close is not open to everything that it could be, but it does feel like it's going to be some sort of digital a la carte um, sort of uh, world that we'll be living in. And that's interesting too, because I think now, so, and, and like, I, I think to where, um, but see, if you look at it, but if you look at it now, there is a notion though out there that, um, that some people have said that radio did to itself what it should not have done. And what did they do that they shouldn't have done? I don't know. I, I think that's a key thing. Do you think in a way that, you know, kind of going back to, I think that's a very hard question to kind of answer or to kind of put a perspective to. And everything comes down to how do you, you know, how do you monetize it? And is it that we need to find better ways of getting our content into the ear holes of the consumer? And do we have to find new ways of doing that because the one thing in the end is everyone is always going to crave content. That's one thing that's not going to be going away. So then if people are going to want content, it's, it's on us. It's on the traditional broadcasters to become, I guess, less traditional and find those methods. And unfortunately I don't have an answer to that. I'm, you know, I'm the guy who doesn't start the company. I'm the guy who gets hired because I can help the company. I usually show up five minutes early. I put the work involved and I try and I'm basically a pleasant fella. I always tell everyone, show up early, say yes, do the work. Don't be a dick. If you can do those things, you got a decent chance to make it. Yeah, no, that that that's uh, that is well said, right? And so basically, now then they've got the like TSN ten fifty has the first stop, and then they've got what are they? Then do they still air uh, Dan Patrick? Yeah, Patrick, Colin Coward. Then it's me. Then it's Overdrive. Plus, um, we split with the Fan Five Ninety um, half the basketball games, half the Leaf games, and we also have the Argonaut games on as well, and uh, and uh, TFC. Right. And then so then in the evening, it's just uh, and then in the evening, it's uh, the evening, it's um, when there are no games, it's just it's uh, it's um, 
something like ESPN Radio. ESPN it'll, it'll, it'll be it, yeah, it, it'll be picking up national uh, feeds uh, from the United States. Now, do you? Uh, yeah, no. You mentioned the the um, the uh, you mentioned the fan back there, and I, I don't. And I and I know it's sort of unfair for me to um, for me to ask you this, um, but. Do you, how do you, what do you about, I'm sure you've had a chance to tune in a little bit here and there Um, on how how it sounds. I I don't listen a ton. And let me say that it's nothing to do with them. It's not like, you know, in in Romeo and Juliet, I'm a Capulet. So I don't like the Montagues or I work for Coke, so I can't drink Pepsi. It's just that when like I'm prepping for the day, I'm going to be listening to the interviews that were on our station to see if there are things that I can build on. Um, then beyond that, I'm probably listening to some of my other favorite podcasts. Beyond that, I am also um, watching uh, games, maybe that I've PVR'd if there's something. So like that usually, you know, it's like you only have so many hours in the day. So I don't listen a ton but again, that's and I will from time to time. And like you know, Justin Bourne is is great, and Ben Annis does a good job, and and mm-hmm. Jeff Merrick I've known for ages, and I mean that guy's one of the most talented in, in the business. And you know, um, but I, I I don't listen enough to be like here are my main thoughts about their strengths and weaknesses. And I'm not trying to be like oh God I got to be a company man. That's just you know I, I don't think I'm informed enough to give a great answer. And I can understand that too, right? No, yeah. and and that's the thing. I find that yeah, there are only so many. Like, here's the thing: there's only so many hours in a day where yeah. you can only listen to and read so much. Yeah, yeah, right. Because there is that time where you just want that downtime of, say, listening to a book or something. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like I have. Like there's some days when I'm driving home. The moment I get in my car, yeah. I'll listen to something that's completely non-sports. Now, you know, then there's the days like, you know, when the Leafs uh, lost to Florida, I'm like, okay, I want to hear what what Jamie and Brian and Jeff have to say about it. But there's some days I'm like, nope, I'm going to tune out. And then um, uh, the good thing is, is everything's on podcast. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, uh, they had Ray Ferraro on. Okay, I'm going to make sure to go back and listen to that as well. Yeah. So that's kind of like, yeah. So kind of like that's, um, yeah. So, so then, so you're, you're then, so you're in, so in favor of that, how the, the, like, for example, the show you did this morning, that's all podcasted too. Yeah. So that's all podcast. So what are your thoughts there on demand, like having it available as podcast? That's probably a, a, a good thing too, right? It's a great thing. I think, and like I'm not involved in the marketing. I'm not involved in the sales or anything like that. And as someone who briefly worked in sales for a wine consignment company, you would think I'd be good at it. I was lousy. I suddenly had got a very different opinion about how hard it is working in sales. But I always, I've, I've always said this for ages. And again, I'm biased because I've been a podcast junkie since Adam Carolla back in like 2008, um, you know, was starting to make a name for himself. But I, I think that's one of the areas, you know, you got to push it harder and, you know, throw on an, an ad on the top of the tail or in the middle or something like I think I think that's a way to, to bring in more money. Now, someone can show me the numbers that maybe it's harder. I'm not sure. Uh, but but yeah, I'm always, always in favor of of the podcast model. 
because then it it allows you to to listen to it. Maybe you don't have time in the morning to hear the Buster Only one, but you want to hear Buster Only when you're when you're on the treadmill. You know, as you said, so it's sort of uh, <laughs> I've always liked that format. Yeah, there you go. So you know, and it, it will still be there. You know, if I want to listen later today or tomorrow or Thursday, yeah. it's gonna it's still there. But if I'm in my car, I'm you know I'm, I'm gonna make sure to listen. Like I'm doing I'm doing the show today from my cottage and then sometimes when i'm driving in the city uh like if i'm doing my normal two to four show i'll catch i'll catch the morning show as i'm driving you know from way north of barry into downtown toronto then it's perfect like okay uh they got dave pooling on all right at 7 45 i'm gonna make sure i'm listening because i'm gonna listen to that maybe there's stuff from that i'll steal and use for my show uh, absolutely, and uh, yeah. Now you mentioned game. You mentioned game five of the Florida series there uh, with the Leafs. I want to get your thoughts on that. Um, what were your overall thoughts on that? Um, we're right back where we started from. Leafs couldn't score two goals a game in all of them, and uh, for all the good stuff that like Matthews or Marner or whoever did against the Tampa Bay Lightning, and that can't be taken away. They beat the Lightning in six. They were able to um, make Vasilevsky look human. But then they did it again against Florida, where game three, it looked like they quit. And game four was too little too late. And every game was two goals. And again, it it looked like it exposed the reality that the roster construction is great for the regular season. It's great for your fantasy hockey team if you have these players. But it doesn't work in the playoffs when so much of your money is invested in four guys and you don't have a third and a fourth line. You don't have that one other big behemoth defenseman because you can't afford it because it's all in Matthews, Marner, Nylander, and Tavares. And those guys consistently, especially Matthews and Marner and Tavares, consistently their numbers go down in the playoffs. And the Leafs gambled that 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 level of talent would produce just at the same clip in 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 the playoffs as they do in the regular season. And that's proven... To be uh, to be not correct, and they haven't done it against Florida, against Tampa, against Columbus, against Montreal, against Boston, and it's like something has to change. But right now, nothing is. Your thoughts on the uh, Kyle Dubas uh, press co- end of your press conference in Toronto when he um, he what what really was there anything that stood out? What really stood out to me was that. Oh, either I'm going to come back here, quote, or I'm going to, if I'm not back here, I will take some time to, uh, you know, to think about it or to reflect on my time. Your thoughts there. And of course, that is not what ended up happening. But what were your thoughts when you heard that? It was it was different uh, because he got emotional. He got personal. And, you know, and and for me, as someone who's into the content business, I loved it. You know, I loved when he came out and said it because I'm like, oh, what a different angle. But I thought it was curious when he talked about the strain on him and on his family. When I heard that, I did wonder, oh, is is he coming back? Because and when you discuss this, this is always a tricky one because we, you know, we embrace the idea of mental health. We embrace the idea of balance. We embrace the idea of, you know, not trying to kill yourself at your job. But the reality is, if you, and this is going to be harsh, if you work in professional sports, you're in one of the most ultra competitive worlds and you don't get to live a normal life. And 
Look at the, the divorce rate for coaches, like in football. And I'm not saying any of that's right, but you kind of know that's what it is. And it's not just a sports thing. If you go in the highest level of law or in business or investment, you are going to have to sacrifice part of your personal life, part of your family life, and part of um, just your mental well-being. So I, I understood why Shanahan had a change of heart. I, I wish they were able to come up with a better solution than they did. Um, but in the end, I, I, I guess... You know, for Dubas, he, he just he needed a bit of a reset. Maybe he was too honest because whatever the negative it had on his family, and I get why it would, that didn't stop him from taking the, the Penguins job. And there's a lot of pressure there. It's not like he took a job to be the Coyotes general manager. He took a job with Pittsburgh where you've got Crosby and Malkin trying to win one more cup. Yeah, that's interesting because see, and and that's it. But see, I mean, that was something that I was a little bit surprised that he took like that he took that Pittsburgh job because yeah. you might re- because you might remember that there were at the end of like uh, I think it was either at the end, close to the end of the season or in the middle of or before the playoffs started that there were uh, rumblings that the Penguins were interested in him. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, you you heard that. Um, the moment they started to clean house and they were viewing um, Dubas as would have been their number one, their, their number one target. And you can see why, because Dubas didn't have a contract. He was coming in as like, technically the moment the year ended, he was going to be a free agent. So it, it totally made sense what Pittsburgh was doing. Right. And then they got, and, 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 and he has already made some moves over there. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, he's, he's, you know, the same thing. And for him, it's all about putting around, is there enough way, uh, Is there, you know, brought back Jerry, and is there a chance where you can get that one last run from Crosby and Malkin and Latang? But we we thought that last year, and, and once again, they were out early in the playoffs. And that's it too, right? And then, of course, you have, like, see, now we have um... – Brad Tree Living coming in with the Leafs. Is that a bit of a, like, it, was that a shocking move to you? No, they, Shanahan said that they wanted to bring in someone with experience and Brad Tree Living has it. And, you know, Brad was a guy that's not afraid to make the big deal, not afraid to wade in on things. And so now I, I like, I, I wasn't surprised at all. I didn't expect them to go with someone unknown and someone fresh. Because the Leafs, they're in win-now mode, and they needed a GM that reflected that. But even True Living doesn't have a – he. if you look at he didn't have a great – he's not coming off a great year in Calgary either. Oh, no. And the th- funny thing is, a year ago in the offseason, we were all praising what he was able to do going up against it where he knew that where Goudreau was like, I'm gone, and Matthew Kachuk is like, trade me. And it's not like he had a lot of leverage there. And no, it was it. it, it they missed the playoffs. They fired the coach. Um, you know, Trelivin was gone. It was, absolutely was a bad year. But then the question is, who was the GM? Who was the executive out there that had experience that's coming off a lot of winning? Usually, if you're coming off a lot of winning and you have experience, you probably already have a job and you're probably already under contract with someone else. 
Yeah, and I think that's, uh, and I mean, it's it's interesting because, I mean, I was kind of hoping they would, I was actually, um, I was hoping they would keep Dubas around because Dubas is a smart guy. Oh, no, he is. He is. Um, uh, I was hoping, here's the thing. At the beginning of the playoffs against Tampa, I, my opening thought was before they, they dropped the puck, the Maple Leafs need to give Kyle Dubas a contract extension. That was my take. He had done everything he could during the offseason, during the season, to put uh, a, enough talent around this team. That It's on the players. But the one thing I'm sort of wondering about, about Kyle Dubas, did he, like, let me ask you this, Allie. How many other NHL teams do you hear of where all the star players are taking shorter and shorter deals and are demanding max, max dollars? Because Matthews's contract and Marner's contract are, and Nylander, well shorter than Connor McDavid, than McKinnon, than Dave Pasternak. Can you think of other teams where the star players basically get what they want? Um, I don't think there's too many. And that's sort of my point that I think the biggest failing that Dubas did was trying to be, was trying to be buddy, buddy was trying to make it that, Hey, I'm not the boss. You're not the worker. We're partners in this thing called the Maple Leafs. And I understand why you would do it. And you can see the more positive relationship, the better, but I'm starting to wonder about that. Where I think Brad Treliving, his job is far harder than being the GM in Boston or Colorado or Tampa. Every other place, the star player, usually it's eight-year deals. And it's usually a little bit less than what we're going to see for Matthews, Marner, and Nylander. And if you keep acquiescing to the star players, if that's always the culture, how do you build a proper third and fourth line? How do you build a proper defense when year in and year out, you're just saying yes to these players and their demands who are incredibly talented, but how do you put together a play proper playoff roster? I think realistically you can't. So then some of that has to go on to Dubas. You know, that's, that's part of the culture and Dubas did a lot of great things. Um, you know, you can look at the Jake Muzzin deal. You can look at bringing in, uh, bringing in Jack Campbell and then knowing to walk away from Campbell. And then there was failings with, with a lot of the, with Morazic and Matt Murray, you know, he Dubas is like every other executive there's success and there's failure. But if you look at the overall body of work, it, it was, it, it was still one playoff series win, but I, I do put that more on the players, but I think the bigger picture thing is he created this culture and this environment in Toronto that, that doesn't exist in the rest of the NHL. We don't hear about these stories in New Jersey or Colorado or Boston. Yeah, I, I, it seems here that he didn't really know when to hit the reset button as, as he was just trying to work with who he had and just try to. Yeah, the Matt Murray thing, I was not impressed with that one. No, and, and, and listen, people get goalies wrong all the time. And hey, then on the other side, good job on Samsonoff. You know, so hey, good, good job there. I just think, and, and, you know, maybe this is armchair psychiatrist. I have no knowledge of this, <laughs> but he comes in replacing Lou Lamarillo. And Lou Lamarillo is hard ass. So maybe Kyle's like, I'm not going to be like that. I have to go my own way. And I think now, and so with the negotiations with Matthews and Marner, a lot of this is on Matthews and Marner. 
And I think that's now to the detriment of the team's ability to sign those guys, but have enough money to put talent around them. And and also it needs to be said, again, I want to balance this on Dubas. He got that job at a young age, which also screams to his own work ethic and just the, the incredible climb he had from the juniors to the NHL. Right. And what do you think of, and, and Brandon Pridham, what do you think about him? Is he, is he, I don't even know. I haven't heard much of him. Is he still in Toronto? You know, it's a great point. Shadowy Brandon Pridham. We haven't heard anything from him in ages, but yes, as of now, he is still here. Let's face it, Ali. If Brandon Pridham was on the move, we would be covering the hell out of that, especially this week where you have the, uh, you know, the home run derby, the all-star game, and you have, this is the lightest week uh, of the year for content. Yeah, I think I think the only real thing is well, I think it's just been the the MLB draft, I think too, and which no one really pays attention to because we don't see these guys. You know, it's it's the same thing. Like, no, the football draft is the best one because we see all the guys. The NBA draft um, used to be the best, but then the players are now only here for one year, or sometimes they're overseas, or they're playing in the G League, and it can be harder to watch. But the baseball one, you know, no one sees like any of these players. You know, there's not a lot of people that watch a lot of high school or university uh, um, baseball unless you've got some crazy TV sports package. Yeah. And uh, thoughts on the Raptors, on what what has gone on with with their end. Now, also kind of circling back a little bit to the Leafs. So they didn't bring back uh, they didn't they didn't bring back uh, Shen and some of those others that they um, uh, in free agency. They couldn't afford them. They, they, you know, they, they can't afford those guys. You know, it's, it's funny. Those guys um, become a luxury. And, you know, you hear that Ryan O'Reilly didn't want to be in Toronto anymore. And there was speculation was it about the clubhouse or, or was it about he didn't like to be in the spotlight. And I don't think we've ever got the definitive answer, but I'm not surprised all those guys were gone. Uh, just the same way that, you know, you lost Zach Hyman, that you lost Connor Brown. It's like, once you start giving all your money to a, just a few players, Every year, it's like, okay, goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. Thanks for helping. Thanks for helping. And uh, good luck uh, onwards and upwards with your your more expensive contract on another team. Um, but uh, but do you see now? Here's the thing. Do you see um, uh, do you see um, Marner and uh, Tavares and Nylander? Do you see those guys coming? Do you see the core four coming back? Or I should say, extended. Yeah, um, probably. You know, the, the one thing that'd be interesting, once the Tavares deal is done, can you bring them back for like half that money? And then can they use that money to bolster other lines? And I, I got to tell you, I was talking about on the show today. And, it, and by the way, what I'm going to say is stupid. And it's reactionary and it's, it's extremist. But part of go, me go wonders, ahead. part of me wonders, do you do you have to move on from this elite generational talent? Because unless the salary cap suddenly doubles, how do you put together a proper team when the culture is about giving these few individuals every dollar? How do you both, how do you both these things pay these guys maximum money and put together a rest of the roster that can compete in the postseason. I don't have an answer to that. <laughs> no. And the Raptors, what are your thoughts on what they did? They're too much in the mushy middle. 
they've got to make a move. I think it's time to move Siakam if you can do it. And it's nothing against Siakam. It's that Siakam's 29, OG's 25, Scotty Barnes is like 20. So you have players on different trajectories. You also have roster duplication with three forwards. Maybe Barnes and Ananobi, they grow as players if you move Siakam. And none of this is against Siakam. It's an incredible story. He he is a all-star. He is somewhere between the 18th and maybe 21st best player in the NBA. Depends just where you put your rankings. But if you can move him, get back a young piece, like I'd say Tyler Hero, who's under a very good contract uh, for the next four years. And now you get a guard and you get legit shooting. And then if you could get a bunch of draft picks from Miami down the road, where maybe the Miami Heat aren't a very good team by 2028, now you're resetting. But I think this team needs a bit of a reset because I don't, with Siakam as your best player, your ceiling is game seven of the second round of the playoffs. Yeah, I mean they they didn't. I mean they. Um, I think there were there were some that they traded. The Rab there were some that they traded. The Raptors just now that I mean uh, Pascal, I think is still there, right? No, Siakam's there, but it's you know you it, it can Scotty Barnes fully develop unless he's the number one guy? And I've said this for so long. The problem with the Raptors is they always needed to have one guy on the roster who was clearly better than Siakam. If Siakam's your number two guy. You can go deep in the playoffs, but this is the cruelty of the NBA. When we're looking for one of those guys, there's like seven of them in the league. And I'm not even including LeBron James. Denver won because Jokic makes everyone better. Milwaukee won because of Giannis Antetokounmpo. Golden State won because, my God, they had both Steph Curry and Kevin Durant. Go up and down. And you've got to go all the way back to when the Pistons won in 04. But at least that team, they might not have had an A plus, but they had five B pluses. And Ben Wallace, Rasheed Wallace, Rip Hamilton, uh, Tayshawn Prince, and I'm uh, I'm missing out on one guy there. But you need to have one of those elite talents. The Raptors don't have one. So how are you going to get it? Maybe it's developing Scotty Barnes, or maybe it's making the swing with Siakam and getting one of those draft picks, and those picks can find one of those guys. I think that's it. You know, that's one of the things that, you know, I, I think time will, I think will be interesting to see what they do this year. And uh, very, very, uh, it'll be very interesting as the season approaches. Now, the Jays, your thoughts on, uh, let's start with uh, Alec Manoa. Your thoughts on him? Maybe the most fascinating, maybe one of the most fascinating players in Toronto sports, where he's 25 years old, he's known nothing but success, and now he's dealing with his first failure. That has to be hard on a young guy that's had an incredible start to his career. Uh, when Roy Halladay got demoted back in the early 2000s, he hadn't been to an all-star game. Well, Manoa had been to an all-star game last year and was being interviewed by John Smoltz in the middle of you know him working the mound. And I was thrilled to see he looked good against Detroit and give up a walk. But, I mean, that's one we're going to be following closer than almost anyone else. 
because every great sports town you're you need sport you need stars everything starts with who are your stars that's what that's what um that's the coal that uh, burns your uh, just the level of popularity, uh, the level of fun in your sports town. How many stars do you have? And with Manoa, we had it for a year and a half. We don't have it right now. And it's one of the great things if you're a baseball town that, you know, every five days, this guy's going to entertain us. And we got a 60 plus percent chance of winning. So I, I am on pins and needles on Alec Manoa. And I think everyone's going to be watching his next couple starts after the all-star break that much closer. Cause we're just hoping we get 2022 version. You feel too much pressure was put on him. Um, you know, because he got the opening day start. Um, no, cause he wanted that pressure. He wanted that. He wanted to be that guy. He embraced that role. He embraced the role of being the ace, the starter. He embraced the role of the guy going eight innings and, you know, they had plenty of, of they had Kevin Gosman behind him. So, you know, they, he had some protection. I don't look, I don't know. I don't look at it as pressure. I, I, quite frankly, I don't know what happened to his confidence, but something clearly did. And, you know, you want it back because the great thing about Manoa, Manoa appeals to both generations. He appeals to the younger generation, the flair, the exuberance, the personality, but he also appeals to the older generation that hates seeing five you know, relievers and analytics telling you, uh, I don't care if a guy's throwing a no hitter, get him out of the game. You know, Manoa's like, no, I want to go seven. I want to go eight innings. That's the thing I miss about Manoa is he embraces both those worlds. Yeah. And, and do you have any thoughts on him being sent? He was sent down to the Florida complex. What were your thoughts there? I didn't know there was such a, such a thing called a Florida complex league. It still seems shadowy and mysterious. Uh, obviously they saw something that worked because he was there once and everyone hit him. Then he went up to double a pitched better and they felt that was enough to bring him back up. And I don't think the Jays would rush Manoa. You have all these teams, you have all these extra teams that make the wild card. So it's not like they were desperate for wins. If they brought him up, they must've felt he was ready. Did they, uh, I mean, did, did they rush him back? No, I, I, I don't think so. And this is not me just playing the result. They weren't desperate to bring him up. Barrios and Kikuchi have pitched better than people thought. Gosman made uh, the all-star team. So they were in a position where they're like, we don't need to rush you because it's not like it's not like Anaheim, where Anaheim is desperate to win because they want to keep Shohei Otani. This was a team that could slow play it. So if they brought him back, they must have felt it was the best thing for his development. Based on how the season has gone, how do you and now the trade deadline is a couple of weeks away. Um, do you see them being buyers or do you see them being sellers? Depending on what do you do? If, if buyers. I, th like, I think this is full buyers. Um, when, when you look at this team has got the talent to win. This team could win a world series. I think they need one more bat because uh, they're around seventh in runs batted in, in the American league. I think they're buyers. I think it's a bat, and I think the next couple starts by Manoa will uh, will tell a lot about do they try to go get another pitcher, and also we're still waiting to see if Hyunjin Ryu can come back and be a back-of-the-end uh, pitcher for the team. See, yeah, now, you know, and, and, and you may remember there was talk about 
oh, the the J, there there was the people were saying, oh, that the J should you know that they should uh, fire John Schneider. I I don't think that's the right thing to do at this point. I don't think nope. he has anything to do with it. Yeah, no, I keep him. Uh, I I don't move him. And look how good he looked in the uh, home run derby. He helped Vlad win it. So no, John Schneider here for the year. Yeah, no, because see, you know, because they were saying too that. You know, it's nice to see that because see, he he's he's come up with that with some of those players, right? And it's great to see what he's doing. You know, he I, he has done some things right. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. And also, I just I don't know. I I only believe there's a couple managers that really move the needle either positively or negatively, and then everyone else is kind of in the middle. So yeah, I uh, I I don't move Schneider. I look to trying to find another bat. Absolutely. And I, I mean, you see, now, what do you and I, I asked, uh, I, I asked uh, Ben Shulman this um, on the Monday show uh, 24 hours ago, and I'll ask uh, or yesterday, and I will ask you the same thing here that let's say if the team does not make the playoffs this year, what do you feel the conversation will be around this team? I think it'll be on Ross Atkins. Because you compare it to what the last GM, Alex Anthopoulos, and the level of success that he's had with the Atlanta Braves. If the Jays miss the playoffs, I think the I think it'll a it'll probably mean Vlad has continued to slump. It'll mean that Alec Manoa hasn't uh, been able to uh, pull out of whatever is going wrong with him. And I think a, a, all eyes will go on the general manager. Okay, so if if Atkins goes, do you think Shapiro goes with him? No, I think I think Shapiro would stay in the same way that Dubis is gone and Shanahan is still here. I think they want to keep Atkins around, or excuse me, um, Shapiro around, just because they're trying to finish up everything with all the renovations to Skydome. Yeah, I mean, I also see, uh, I also see Atkins sticking around too. Mm-hmm. Do, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I think so, but I think that would be where the conversation will go if they miss the playoffs. Yeah, and I think as well, um, it, 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 because see, no, I, I made a joke um, last week on uh, sports for on uh, sports reactions on Blue Jays reactions that, um, which can be found on the Auto Map feed I, that. The Jays need, I, I feel the Jays, uh, um, I, I mean, I, I think they probably need Alex back, um, Anthopolis, but I don't oh, yeah. see that happening. Oh, I, listen, that would be a dream. You, you, if somehow you brought Anthopolis back, he would be here with a, a hero's welcome. Um, that's wish casting. I would love to see that, but that, I don't think that's going to happen. Because he is a he, uh, he is a Toronto. Because he isn't a he is an Ontario guy. Yeah, yeah. Or was, is it Ontario? Uh, is it Montreal? I always I forget. From, but I think he's from Montreal initially. Yeah, and well, here's the thing about Torontonians: if someone's a success and they're from Canada, we'll claim them as our own, even if they're nowhere near Toronto. Yeah, that's it too, right? I think that's one of yeah. the other. Yeah, and I think that's that's truly it, right? I think anybody. But same thing can be said about James Paxton, a Canadian and a pitcher who's with the Red Sox. 
No, yeah, no, he's he's local Toronto. He grew up next to me. Steve Nash. He's not from Victoria. No, no, no. He, he grew up right here in downtown Toronto. We'll we'll do that. Right. But I mean, I don't think that teams can I don't make like I, I don't think that there's anything they can do to keep Canadian players here, though. And that's been a conversation too in the past. Yeah, no, we we well, we've certainly uh, seen that with a lot of uh, a lot of the smaller hockey towns where sometimes players just want anonymity and uh, and and versus more of the spotlight you get here in Canada when it comes to the NHL. Absolutely. Well, we're going to take a quick break and we'll come back and wrap the show up with Matthew Cuz. You are listening to All Over the Map. Looking for sports content on the Bills, Blue Jays, Raptors, Argos, and more? Check out Sports for Beginners with me, Scott McGregor, where we will break down all of the action. To learn more, please follow the Sports for Beginners Facebook page. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we take you back to the studios. We are back. Welcome back. Ali Musa here with Matthew Kaz. Now, Matthew, is there anything that you want to touch on, on anything we've talked about? Kind of going back to, let's go back a little bit to the Toronto sports media. Is there anything you want to touch on that? I, I'm just that we didn't cover. Yeah, no, nothing really. You know, it's really just I, I'm rooting for a business model that can find a way for young people um, to be able to get work. And in 1998, I am graduating from McMaster doing radio and newspaper there. And I got into Ryerson to their RTA program. At that time, Sportsnet and the score were coming on. And I was able to get a job fairly easily. Now I was luck because it was just good timing. But then I was able to get work as a 23-year-old. And then I got to gain experiences and skills in so many different ways. And I got to meet a lot of people. And some of those people would later on hire me at TSN Radio. And I know we can't wish for the things that the way they used to be in the good old days and all of that. But I would hope that there is some business model out there that creates a sports media infrastructure so that the next generation of 22, 23-year-olds are able to follow their passion. See, and that's it, right? The only real way now, I mean, like, what about, like, what are your thoughts as well on, say, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Locked On Podcast Network. Oh, no, it's good. Yeah, I, I've seen it. Sean Woodley, I've heard him before on the Raptors side of things, and I know that um, Michael Stefano, Al's brother, is doing it on the Leafs side. Uh, trust me, I'm rooting for it. I root for that. I root for the athletic. I hate when the athletic had to make cuts. I, as I said, I just want as many options, as many different places. And for me, as someone who, who just like is an apex predator when it comes to consuming content, I try my best to listen to a little bit of all of it because I want to hear voices that are younger than me, that are older than me, uh, to give me as many different perspectives as possible. So no, I, I, I'm a fan of the Locked On. See, and like, and I think it's interesting because, like, I mean, they do five days a week podcasts. Um, you know, I think they, they call it your team every day. And I've started to listen to um, a lot of their stuff, too. And I think that's what's also changed for 
um, local, uh, say, local sports radio in general. Do you think Sirius XM's changed the game? I think, well, I don't know. I don't know if Sirius, Sirius certainly was able to bring people into the business and, you know, the, the unintended consequences of that. I, um, like, maybe because I don't really listen to Sirius that much. Again, off the top, I'm a dummy when it comes to technology. So I'm always just, boom, turn on the, turn on the radio. Can you just tell people, how can people contact you? Where can people find you online, Matthew? Oh, sure. It's a, a simple. I, I'm still Twitter. Uh, mcause that's c-a-u-z-5-6 mcause 56 i'm on tsn 1050 and as of right now uh if you want to learn about wine in a non-pretentious way uh the matt talks wine and stuff with interesting people podcast it's a lot like what you do ali i just interview people want to hear their stories want to hear their journey and i promise it doesn't get too pretentious yes and you can find me at atom podcast 819 on twitter uh, all of the map will be back with you Friday, July 14th with the Raj, Roger Lajoie. Matthew, love, love Roger. Love Roger Lajoie. Great one. Thank you so much for joining us. And, and we say, as we always remind you, everybody, it is not goodbye. It is until next time. See you Friday, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to All Over the Map. If you have any questions or feedback, you can email me at atompodcast819 at gmail.com. That is A as in alpha, T as in the, O as in over, M as in map, podcast819 at gmail.com. You can also feel free to visit our website to learn more about upcoming episodes at https colon slash slash allytechgroup.wordpress.com slash podcast dash all dash over dash the dash map once again that is https colon slash slash allytechgroup.wordpress.com slash podcast dash all dash over dash the dash map and it is not goodbye it is until next time